With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. I'm rolling. So, got Jay with me. We're going to talk about podcasts. Not necessarily how to set up a podcast, although we'll touch upon that. But I want to talk about how to monetize a podcast or the activity of doing a podcast. And this includes everybody from people who have huge audiences to podcasters who have almost no audiences. So, Jay, for instance, uh, you were telling me a statistic like a year ago. How many downloads per episode does the average podcast get? I felt like, I mean, a year ago when I was in podcast movement, I saw the statistic as of June 2019. Uh, median 50 percentile was 137 downloads per episode. Only 137 download episodes is the, yep. is, is the median. That means the, the person, whatever podcast is unfortunate to be right in the middle of all 2 million podcasts in terms of downloads, that person only has 137 downloads per episode, which yes. is which is sad, but that makes sense. I mean, A, some podcasts might be very niche. So if somebody is doing a podcast about left-handed fly fishers, then, you know, they don't deserve to have a high, uh, audi- a large audience, but maybe they have the audience they want. So, right. you know, I think our audience... You know, I set up this podcast in 2014, really 2013. I recorded the first episodes and I feel like I was early on, not as early as guys like Mark Maron and and Joe Rogan and so on, but early enough that this huge wave of podcasts hadn't yet existed. So we were able to uh, get a nice large audience and develop our skills and, and build up a nice podcast. But I am here to say the good news, anybody no matter what your downloads can make a living or explore different ways to monetize a podcast. There are a lot of things that are valuable about a podcast. So I want to talk real quickly about why one should do a podcast. Then we could talk about very quickly, some best practices for setting up one. And then we'll dive right into how to monetize all the different ways. I think I have like a dozen or more ways that you could monetize a podcast and all of them apply to almost everybody. So in terms of why you must do a podcast, it's the same reason why anybody does any kind of content creation. Like why would one want to have a radio show? Well, you want to do a radio show because you want to entertain your listeners. You want to learn things from your guests. You have a point of view about either public events or music or sports or whatever your radio show is about. And you want to express that point of view. You feel it's unique. You know, you always want to ask, who are you? Why are you? Why now? So who am I? I'm somebody who is interested in a large variety of topics ranging from entrepreneurship and investing to peak performance to all the different hobbies I have and so on. Why am I? I do like to entertain and I guess, you know, there's some sort of dopamine-like feeling that I enjoy when when I do a podcast and I have listeners and I get feedback and I get comments and so on. And I also like, uh, talking to 
all of my heroes. So, so it's an amazing thing when you can call up anybody who you admire and respect and say, Hey, you want to come on my podcast? You can't call, like, I can't call William Shatner, Captain Kirk, or Gary Kasparov, the former world chess champion and say, Hey, Billy Shatner, I'd really like to talk to you for an hour and a half. Can you just stand the phone and talk? He, he'll just hang up the phone right there. Or I won't even get his phone number. But when you have a podcast, you have this avenue to call your heroes and the, and the people you're fans of. So I can call someone like Tyra Banks or Sarah Blakely or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and say, hey, you have a book coming out. Uh, I, I talk a lot about books. Would you want to come on my podcast? Why my listeners buy books and let's talk about it. So that's part of the why am I? And the why now is well, the technology exists now. So I don't have to pitch a radio show. To pitch a radio show, I have to go to a radio company and somehow get in touch with the decision makers, which by the way is not so easy, and convince them that somehow their company their radio station or their company, if it's Sirius XM, will benefit by having a show with me. And it's hard to do that. Maybe their schedule is full. They don't need a show from me. Or maybe they just, you know, have a show already like mine. Or who knows? There's a million reasons why a radio station would reject a radio show you would pitch. But nobody can reject a podcast. A podcast is like, you know, like a radio show is like a beautiful bird kept in a cage. And a podcast is like opening that cage and letting the bird fly wherever it wants. A podcast is a radio show let out into the wild. And that's why it's such a popular format for people to start. So it's a great thing to start a podcast, but for the reasons I'm, I'm gonna describe in a few minutes about not only monetization, but repurposing content, podcasts could be great for your career in many ways. I just wanted to point it out. And also right now, if you're still on lockdown, you probably have more time to think about ways to start a podcast. You know, when you have nine to five job and you have to go to into office every day, you probably spend like what, two to four hours just to commute to work. So, you know, you wouldn't have time to think about starting a podcast or where, you know, where, where, where the podcast direction should go. So this is probably the best time to start a podcast. Right. You make a good point. People have are home now, so they have more access to time and equipment to do a podcast. But also, it's worth noting that many people listen to podcasts during their free time. So the listener audience has increased for podcasts. Now, right. it used to be people listen to podcasts on their commute to work or on the gym. That was the most common places. But now, for instance, I just sit at home with my wife and family, and instead of tuning into Netflix, I tune into YouTube and listen to podcasts. Now, our podcast is not on YouTube. We're on all the different podcasting channels like Apple and and Google, you know, Google Play or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or Spotify, but there's a, a million places you could listen to to podcasts. I also want to ask you not only help produce my podcast, but you're the engineer for Marina Franklin's uh, Friends Like Us and and right. presumably other podcasts. Marina and I have different size audiences and plus different you know niches that we hit, and I'm more of a an interviewer or storytelling podcast. Uh, uh, and she, she brings her friends on, friends like us. I've been a guest on her podcast. Right. And it's more about uh, current events and, you know, uh, race relations and race-related topics. And so there's all sorts of podcasts out there. You could do, I do an interview podcast. You could do a podcast that's just you analyzing 
books you've read or right. current event stories that you've read, like uh, Tim Pool, the, the the Tim Cast podcast. Uh, I always see him just basically he'll do a whole episode analyzing line by line uh, an article he just read that day. Then there's podcasts like, um, you know, there are podcasts that tell fictional stories like serial right. type podcasts. There's also, and also that you can have very niche oriented podcasts. Like my favorite title for a podcast, and this is from five or six years ago, was a podcast, um, Denzel Washington is the best actor ever, period. Right. And I like how the period is included in the title. And the podcast is just about Denzel Washington. And in fact, I was going to do something similar with Mark Malkoff about Bill Murray, but we didn't have enough time. Was, and and so the one episode we recorded was, well, I think was like uh, 30 episodes ago on this podcast. Right, yeah. And also like that was right on the verge of lockdown. So, you know, like once ah. we recorded episodes and then all of a sudden, you know, all this happened. So that, that didn't continue. It's worth noting that like during this lockdown, uh, the how-to and education is probably like the the most trending podcast out there. Like really? People will, yeah. So you're not like just saying that? I'm not just saying it. I because mean, you know, the- and just to explain to people, we are the number one ranking right. podcast for Apple on in the how-to category for all time. I don't know what, what they mean when they say all time, but we're usually number one for the how-to category and number one for how-to colon all time. I don't know what right. all time means. I- I mean, we did, we did have a couple of meetings with like, you know, like Mitro or other agency. Like they did mention to us, like a lot of people are actually looking for how to right now. And if you're sitting at a home, like you can binge a show, a, a radio show, as in like the uh, drama podcast or serial podcast in a week. And then after that, what? You know, then, and then it's done. And it takes a longer time to produce a, a serial podcast compared to, you know, the, the how to podcast. You know, like our podcast, we can, record today and then we can have it out by uh, maybe tomorrow. tomorrow. Like serial podcast is not. Like they have to listen to the whole story. They have to plan out pre-productions. It takes like, a week or maybe a month, months to produce a season. I will say in general, and this is in terms of, you know, now we're going into the topic of how to make a podcast. There's several layers of production and the more well-produced podcasts tend to get more downloads. I don't know why. They're probably shared more. They probably, they sound so good. They look so good. The content has been edited heavily. So like an hour long, well-produced podcast might have 20 hours of audio recording and it's edited down to the best one hour of content. That'll probably have more downloads than, you know, the next level, which might be mine where we don't really do that much editing. Although we've got, you know, great topics, great guests, you know, high production value in terms of audio quality. And then right. the next level below that is where it's not that well produced and you know it's not that well marketed or whatever. But just to add, you can make a podcast right now. I can just take out the recorder on my iPhone and I can talk into it for 10 minutes and then I could upload it to Apple Podcasts and, and or, or uh, uh, sorry, not Apple Podcasts, but a distributor like Libsyn or Omni and then they distribute to the 20 or 30 podcast distribution platforms and that's it like all you need is just to record yourself yeah. for a few minutes and you have a podcast yeah and that's the best way to test the water right like if you if you always have this has this idea you know you don't know how to execute you know just do it like like you know we have a tons of guests on on the James Archer show say you know like you didn't think about what you do you you just do it you just right. put it out there and then see the result and then if it's good and then you know like you do like 10 episodes and you see the download is great then you can consider upgrade to a better equipment to get 
more downloads that way. Yeah, right. Like I remember when I uh, years ago when I was doing another podcast called Ask Altucher, sometimes I would get a question and I'd be in the car and I would just call, pull up my phone and my recorder and answer the question and then literally while in the car, upload it and that's a podcast. Now, did that podcast do as well as the James Altucher show? No, but it did about half as well. It wasn't so bad. I was doing Ask Altucher. I was doing... Um, question of the day. I question of the day with Stephen Demner from from Freakonomics, and I was doing the James Altucher show, and so we all decided, or I decided, to shut the others down and focus on the James Altucher show. And we've added episodes, and it's just been a lot more fun. Although I'm always experimenting with new formats. Or if anyone has any ideas, please send me a message or put it in the reviews, like uh, uh, particularly on Apple Podcast reviews. Uh, what formats do you think I should try? A good right. idea list for me is when I try to figure out, you know, new formats. Um, and in terms of production, I'll save that for another time or maybe, you know, notes to this. But Jay, maybe you could just describe right now I'm doing remote. We used to do it always in a studio, but now because of the lockdowns, we're, we're comfortable doing it um, remote. Maybe describe all the equipment we use and what we recommend for our guests because it's it's interesting. So let's say if you have been doing podcasts for a while and then like you want to do remote, you know, with other guests and stuff, uh, I always go the simplest route as possible and, you know, still get a good, uh, good sounding equipment as well. So like the one that I use and James uh, is using, we have audio interface. Audio interface is a device that convert the audio from your microphones and convert it into a digital information data and send it to your to your computer so your computer can receive the sound so we have this equipment called ssl2 solid state logic is yep. the company i think company, yep they are they are very famous like they used to build a huge console they used by you know like by snoop dogg by jay-z uh, my, my peer group people. yeah your peer group <laughs> up there. Uh, so the, 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 the device is very simple. Just two input, two outputs, and everything you see on the device, like the knob, the button, is what you get. So there's no hidden. And then I have an SSL uh, microphone, right? It's like a no, professional... Right, so the microphones that you're using right now is called Sh uh, Shure SM7B. That's literally everyone is using it, like, you know, in radio stations. Shure, S-H-U-R-E. Yep, SM7B. So Charlemagne, who has the radio show, The Breakfast Club, and who I'm working on an audio book with, you're saying he uses the same microphone? Yep. That's why when we were, when we were at his uh, studio, like that's the microphone that, that he was using. And, and um, what's this um, uh, ambiance shield I have on uh, the microphone? So for James, uh, because we are doing, James is going to be doing an uh, audio book as well. So the, the shield in front of James' microphone is called Isolation Shield. So what it does is mainly to prevent any echo coming back to the microphone. So what happens if he speaks into the microphone and uh, that uh, isolation shield that have a absorber, absorber's uh, panel built into it? So the absorber panel is gonna absorb the reflections. Do you think it works? Like uh, we've been using it the past few days. Do you think that my audio quality is a little better? Uh, yeah. So like I I hear less echo. That's for sure. And then um, camera, we just use a Logitech uh, Brio yep. camera. Yeah, so for James, uh, James has a Logitech Brio camera. I think that can record up to 4K, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm using C920 from Logitech. I can record up to 1080p. What? Why don't you? Oh, is that better or worse than mine? Well, the thing is, I got it two or three years before you got it. 
Oh, so I'm so I'm yours. Better. Yeah, your your yours newer and better. And then of course you know on top of all that, the other very important thing is headphones. Oh yeah, especially for remote recording, like you need headphones. So the one that James has is Audio Technica brand headphones. How was it? Audio Technica. Audio Technica. Yep, Audio Technica. You know they they are a great company. They are mainly for consumer as well. And for me, I have a um, a little bit more professional headphones. It's called a uh, Shure HR eight forty. So I have a Shure headphones. Why don't I have the more professional one? I sent this to 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 Robin, but Robin decided to go with the Audio Technica because mainly because remember during the lockdown, like all the sh- like um. Uh, like all the e-commerce, they're having a hard time shipping out stuff because there's no one working in the warehouse. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's the quickest one to get there. All right, and then um, in terms of the software, we use Zoom sometimes, right? Yep. So, so Zoom, you're, you're the audio engineer, so, so you're the one who sits, sets up the recording. Does it send to you one composite file that has all the video and audio on both, all sides in it? Yeah, so for Zoom, uh, Zoom... There's an option to choose to send individual files. So I will I can get the composite files, you know, like all the files that combine together. It's like what you what you hear is what you get. And the other one it's they also send me a multi-track. So like I get individual audio tracks and uh video And so this way you can all load it up in, in GarageBand or whatever software you have and you could adjust the sound levels and improve the sound and eliminate, yep. you know, bad sounds and maybe improve the video and, and so on. Yeah, but so with multi-track, that's another another benefit of having multi-track is that let's say if you're done recording, you're like, I want to move the story around, so you can cut whatever, you know, whatever uh, durations you want and move the audio to maybe to a later time. At the same time, you're like, hey, this guy say hum a lot, you know, when the other person is talking, you can just cut it out. Hmm. Or maybe your your phone rang during the podcast. You know, and then when the other person is talking, so that I can just cut out your phone, so it wouldn't be in the recording. That's interesting. And so, um, what software do you use for writing? GarageBand or something else? So for me, I have uh, I, for me and Nathan, we are using something called Pro Tools. Nathan is also uh, our editor and mixing engineer. So we have this software called Pro Tools. Pro Tools. So yeah, Pro Tools. It's what we've been using in studios in uh, in podcasting. There are also a lot of different uh, po- uh, podcasting. I mean, uh, editing software out there. Audacity is a free one. And, and oh, what's the free one? Audacity. Audacity. And then um, so so we use Zoom, but the quality of the video and the audio is is good for like a phone call, but not really good for a podcast, right? Right. So, like Nathan could always tell exactly what software we're using to record the podcast. Oh yeah, for sure. And so th- this is what Zoom is using. Even though Zoom just implement original sound, original sound as in like, hey, you know, it's whatever raw sound that you go into. So yeah, they give you the raw sound, but you have to think about it. Uh, they have to decode. So the difference between analog and digital is that like analog is all, it's all voltage, right? So it's whatever you hear, whatever you get. Digital, it's all about one and zero. And how, however much one and zero in the data, um, determine how big of a size of a, of your files is. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so when I talk a lot, there's a huge file size. <laughs> it also depends. I've got on a lot quality. of ones and a lot of zeros. <laughs> well, the the thing is, like, so what Zoom is using, they are using what we what I call the lossy format. So because they compress so much, they want to make sure the file size is small, so they can have more streamlined and uh, you know better bandwidth uh, management 
files out there. So that's why the quality of the audio or the video it's not as great. And as and and file. just to be fair to Zoom, Zoom's got seven hundred million users. Most of them are not doing podcasts, so they don't really care about you know upgrading their podcast side of their business. It's not a big point for them. Yeah, and also from uh, and also in my opinion, for them to change that, they pretty much have to change the whole infrastructure. They right. Pretty much so, have to change and, the program. And so there are other platforms, uh, which we'll get to in another episode, because we're actually releasing our own podcast Zoom-like software, which solves many of the problems of Zoom. But that's not what this podcast is about. So let's talk about the monetization of podcasts. And I'll start off with a, a little story. Jay, do you remember what episode I started doing ads? Uh, I'm gonna I find it right now. Hold I on, think hold it's on. 140 or 108. I believe. What 108? I I know it's 100 episodes in, because before that, your your you you've been recording at in the apartment, and I think during then, like 100 episodes is considered pretty new. Episode number 159, and the reason I know that is because it's with Derek Severs, who I call the Zen Master of Entrepreneurship. It was such a great episode, and I was really flattered. He said. You are the only podcast I am saying yes to. And he said, you know why? And I said, why? And I was hoping he would say, because you're the best interviewer and I really wanted to talk to you and I really wanted to be friends with you. I hope we could be friends. He did not say that. He said, you're the only good podcast out there that doesn't have ads. And I did not tell him during the podcast, and I felt bad about this, I did not tell him that that was going to be the first episode with ads. (laughs) So we had ads starting from episode number 159. And here's the thing about ads. People debate, should I have ads? Should I not have ads? The good thing about ads is it sort of signals to your audience, hey, I've got a quality enough podcast that other people want to advertise it. So it's a kind of a weird sort of virtue signaling. It, it demonstrates that I have the, a, a sizable enough audience that people want to put ads and this podcast is considered legit enough somehow by the advertisers that they want to place ads on it. So it's kind of a sign of professionalism, uh, which, which is okay. Now, so here's how ads work. You can get ads by individually approaching them. I could call Microsoft and say, Hey, could you want to advertise on my podcast? Or you can go through a company like Midroll. Midroll is almost like an advertising agency or a media buying agency for podcasts. So all the advertisers go to mid-roll and say, we want to buy, you know, ads on 50 podcasts. Mid-roll helps fig- them figure out what podcasts they they want to buy ad space on. And then mid-roll uh, places them on us. And Jay, what's mid-roll's take? Whatever percentage it take, it's different each podcast. So for Okay, us, so maybe like, I don't want to uh, yep. upset mid-roll. Let's not say yep. our, our percentage. So, the, you know, when you have an ad on a media property, whether it's a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast, it's, it's advertisers pay in what's called CPM. So cost per thousand impressions. So, and this ranges all over the place, like, you know, from $3 per CPM, which means for every thousand downloads you get, you'll get $3 to hundred dollars per CPM, uh, which means for every, you know, if you have a 50,000 download podcast, you'll get 50 times 100. So whatever that is, like $5,000, that ad will, they'll have to pay $1,000 to to advertise in your podcast. Right. And, and I just so want, on. I just want to mention, like, I've, I've, uh, from, uh, there's a statistic saying that, like, the, the more niche your, your podcast is, the highest CPM. Jay, I lost you. Oh, 
Do you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yep. But Sorry. since we're using uh, a platform which allows for recording on both sides, just because I lost you, I still get your audio. Yeah, and also, see, this is where the multitrack comes in. Like when James said, like, he lost me, but when I'm still talking, I can actually cut that part out. Right. Let, let's yeah. not cut that out because we just talked about it. But um, <laughs> yeah. so, so, okay, what were you about to say? I was about, uh, yeah, it's what I was saying is that there's a study that says that the more niche your, your podcast is, the higher CPM you will get. It depends mm-hmm. on the niche though. Like if I were to do, yeah. um, if I were to do the CEO podcast and only CEOs should listen to this, that's right. probably a much higher CPM than like a pornography podcast or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, but uh, when I say niche, I mean that like you know that it's a product that you can sell. So let's say yeah. if you are you if you are doing a podcast about bees and honey, like so those you get higher CPM because like you know that whoever listened to it will buy the product. Why, when you're thinking of products, like why was your first instinct bees? Because that's in the studies that that was the example that that they gave. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. That's an I mean example. Yeah, um, but um, here here's the one thing about ads though that I haven't seen anyone do this, but I do think, and I've actually suggested this to uh, different people at uh, podcast companies, which is that when someone puts an ad on my podcast. Fine. They put the, the you'll hear the ad probably on this podcast. But I often say to uh, companies, "Hey, I always write an article, or some. I often write an article about the podcast, and that article itself might get just as many views or reads as the, my podcast gets downloads. So you should also sponsor the blog post, maybe a different CPM, but that gets you exposure too." And I haven't really seen anyone do cross-platform advertising like that. I mean, maybe it's done. You know, Tim Ferriss in his blog post, he always mentions who the sponsors of his podcast are. But I don't know if they're paying to go on those emails. So I'm not sure if this is really done. Um, right. So that that's ads. Uh, again, I do mine through mid-roll. You can, we also had someone for a while who was um, calling up companies directly, but it didn't really seem to be like we were probably breaking even or losing money on that aspect of the business. Cause you know, you pay the person who's helping you and then you get money from the advertisers, but, and it was a lot of extra work and effort and it wasn't really worth it for me. And also the sponsor as well, right? Yeah. So, 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 right. So, so we're separating out ads from sponsors. So sponsors are people who reach out directly or we reach out directly to and, and, uh, from the point of view of the listener, you might not be able to tell whether someone's an ad or a sponsor, but what is the difference between an ad or a sponsor? A sponsor might say, hey, you're doing this thing called Side Hustle Fridays. We will sponsor and buy, and take up all the ad space on every Side Hustle Friday episode, but we don't want to have anything to do with all your other episodes. We'll sponsor Side Hustle Fridays. And for that, they might pay a premium to what a, a normal advertiser would pay. Plus, I don't have to cut in any middlemen or whatever. And so sometimes we get sponsors. We're not going out of our way to find sponsors at the moment, but I think that is a better way, particularly for niche podcasts, to get more money for an advertiser. If someone's a sponsor, they have a specific goal and purpose, like like Jay, you were mentioning selling a product. So they'll pay more money, even if you have a smaller audience. Right. And so those always work out well for us. It's just we don't. It's a lot of work to get them and court them and impress them and so on. Right. And each sponsor has different deal. Like they they might want to negotiate with, with you. Like, hey, I want this on here. I want this on there. So sometimes sponsor, yeah, sponsor give you pay you more money, but uh, but 
you know, like you also, you know, spend more times trying to deal with them. Yeah. And by the way, ads and sponsors will cancel you if you don't deliver results for them. Yep. So often when I'm reading an ad, I'll say, go to, um, you know, Viagra.com slash James to get 20% off. And they'll see how much sales they're getting from James. So in general, a good rule of thumb is, a good rule of thumb for anything in life really is be authentic and be honest. And I've rejected plenty of advertisers. Only take advertisers that you enjoy the product of, or you believe in the product and the, and the purpose of the product. So this way you, you, you could legitimately say, Hey, check out whatever Viagra and try it with your spouse. I don't know. And sponsors even more so because they're going to be taking up much more ad space. You really want to be a user of that product. So one sponsor for us recently was outstanding foods, which makes plant-based snacks. And I happen to love them. So I reached out to them and they said, sure, we'll sponsor. And I knew them personally as well. So I love the product. I eat it as their, their products as snacks all the time. So they were a great sponsor to have. Next level of monetization. Oh, by the way, Jay, I think um, I'm scheduled for something in one minute. Uh, <laughs> is there, should I? Uh, I, I, t- I told her uh, you would be 10 to 15 minutes late, but uh, I don't know if, if you see, she hasn't seized the, the email yet though. Okay, we'll we'll find out. So, next level on monetization. This is a critical critical level. I almost never see any podcaster doing this kind of monetization and whenever I suggest this to anybody, they say, "Oh my gosh, why didn't we ever think of that? That's great. So for me, this is much better than ads, but again, it's a different style of work. It's not as passive as ads. Like when Midroll places an ad, they give me some bullet points and then I write or riff on the rest of the ad and that's my the extent of my work on it. So affiliate deals are, here's an example. If someone is selling a mattress, I might do an ad and it'll sound to the listener like the same as any other ad. Uh, So I might say, hey, get 50% off on a Casper mattress. Go to casper.com slash James. This is not a real example, by the way. Casper was an advertiser on this podcast, but this wasn't an affiliate deal. I'm just describing how an affiliate deal will work. So this will sound to the listener like any other ad, but Casper is not paying for this ad. What happens is, I'll say, you know, check out casper.com slash James. And then there's software that tracks who is using that URL to actually buy a Casper mattress. And then Casper and I will have a deal where I'll get 20, 30, 50, 80% of the revenues depending on the deal. And so the good thing for the advertiser there is they take no risk. They don't have to spend any money up front. I take the risk. So that's the benefit to the advertiser. The benefit to me is if I'm truly passionate about the product and sincerely passionate and authentically passionate, which you should always be, and I'm convincing to get people to buy it because I do a good ad read, I can make a lot more money than a typical ad. So here's an example. Let's say someone has a course on, you know, how to monetize uh, so here's a course on how to monetize, a, uh, or how to create your own e-commerce store. Um, so I might say something like, 
you know, ecommercebiz.com slash course slash James. Check it out. All my listeners. Uh, first off, I have made money on e-commerce businesses. So have our guests, these guests in particular. This guest here made, you know, a gazillion dollars on building his or her e-commerce stores. Um, check, you know, if you really want to make a, uh, if you really want to learn how to make your own e-commerce store as fast and as effectively as possible, go to ecommercestorebiz.com slash James. And just for my listeners, you get 30% off. Boom. And so now let's say that course is $1,000, but that's okay because if you make a good e-commerce site, you might make a million dollars. So and let's say 100 people buy, you know, out of the, you know, t- listeners I have, let's say just 100 people uh, go to ecommercestorebiz.com slash James and buy their course on building e-commerce stores and the course is $1,000. That company gets $100,000 in revenues and now I can track that. And so let's say the deal is 50-50. I get 50% of the revenues generated. On a single ad, I might make $50,000, which, you know, remember the example I used before. If you have a huge CPM of $100 on a regular ad and you have 50,000 downloads, and again, remember the average is 137, uh, you're only making $5,000 on an ad. So if I have an opportunity with an affiliate deal to maybe make $50,000 in an ad or $100,000 in an ad, that's huge. So, you know, I don't do too many of those. I have to be super passionate about the product. The way I view an affiliate deal is I have to be so passionate about it that I don't even care about the deal. I want the founder of the company to come on my podcast and explain to everybody how they made a million dollars making, you know, with an e-commerce store. I want, I want it to be really educational for the listener and, 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 and of course entertaining. And I wanted to provide a lot of value to, to help people. And then at the end I can say, Hey, you know, if you also want this course, you could get it. And I kind of read the ad and then the affiliate deal is what the affiliate deal is. So I've, and again, I take, I'm the podcaster. I take the risk, which I'm willing to do because I'm a huge believer. But like, for instance, I had this one, sometimes you make no money. I did this one affiliate deal with um Tony Robbins and I thought man everyone's going to get this it's Tony Robbins and he's talking about real estate investing and and I really liked what he had you know I talked to his partner Dean Graciosi and I really said oh I'm not a real estate buyer but I really like this guy's formula for real estate I'd be happy to sell their Tony and Dean's course on this so I mentioned it and I don't know what we made. We made like zero on that, I think. We, we made a couple hundred dollars, but like compared to all the artists that we have, we have what? We have Kyle Allen's. We have uh, uh, we have the one about writing with John Morrow's. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and we do well with those. I don't know why the Tony Robbins one didn't do better. You never really know. That's the yep. problem. With affiliate deals, you never really know how much money you're going to make. Sometimes it's a home run and sometimes it's zero. But in general... That's why you have to, like, I have to be a user of the product. I have to love it. I have to think it's going to provide huge value, huge value to the listeners. So, because I'm taking the risks too. I've got, it, it's got to provide, again, huge enough value that I'm willing to not even do this as an ad, but do it as a real podcast. Yeah, and also like to have a successful uh, affiliate deals, like you have to make sure whatever product you're you are, you are doing it with has to coincide with your with the team of the podcast. So like for James after show, like it's all about learning 
and educations. That's why, like all the affiliate deals that we have done so far with Bill Petit, it's also a course on you know on um, on persuasion. frame control persuasion. So like all this, all all the educational stuff did really well. And also to to your point, uh, another type of affiliate deals that you can do is so. Uh, I think John Lee Dumas mentioned this to us before on one of our side hustle Friday is that. Let's say you mentioned some book in a podcast, right? So let's say someone came on; it's all about their book, and then you on the footnote you can you know how Amazon let you do affiliate deals as well. Yeah, so you can. But sign those up. affiliate deals, you only get three percent. There, that's a horrible affiliate deal. But to your, oh, go ahead to your point because I think I know what yeah, you're going to say. Yeah, so like to your, like it's not as much, but still, like if you put the link in your podcast notes, you know, like. And then, like people can click on it and buy it because they they already heard the people. So the easiest way for them to buy the book is provide them the link. And then if they click your link, so at least you can get a little bit, you know, money here and there. That's called that's extra money for you. For right. So so I keep those affiliate deals on the older podcasts, and so it's kind of making money while you sleep. So it might be the case that months from now I'll still make money on one affiliate deal from a year ago. And right. it, it keeps on going. And right. and again, affiliate deals are hard to structure and you have to have an exceptional belief in the product and you're also taking all the risk because that's, that's space that I could have used for another ad. But uh, let me ask you this, Jay. What software do we use to track? Do you know uh, what software we use to track? Uh, you know, because you have to trust the other side, but right. since nobody trusts anybody, you, you, there's software that tracks how much money you're making on an affiliate deal. What, what software is that? That I think David Newman would know more than me. All right, let me see. I'm just gonna Google it um, because yeah. I'll, I'll remember the name if I. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So while Google, like for me, like the the all the affiliate deals that I have done, I just use their internal software. You're gonna have more success if you do affiliate deals with people that you you trust. Yeah. You have you know you have relationship with. Yeah, like if if you're doing a affiliate deal with someone you don't trust, there's there's no point in recommending their product. I'm not gonna <laughs> right. recommend the product of someone I don't trust. Right. Now, I would say that describes the range of kind of let's call it ad space deals. Now, here's here's an opportunity. You can go to low volume podcasts that aren't that don't have relationships with like a mid-roll or anybody else or any other kind of podcast network and I here's a business idea that I don't think anybody's done. I can buy up all the inventory say of low volume niche podcasts. And then I can make an affiliate deal with someone and put those affiliate deals on as ads on all the podcasts that I bought the ad space for. So it's, it's my ad space that I control on someone else's podcast. I'll put an affiliate deal in there. Um, and then my goal, I make the difference between the money I make from the affiliate deal minus what I paid for all the ad space for all the different podcasters and all the different podcasters have to read the ad for the affiliate deal I'm putting on there. So that's a business idea where it doesn't matter how big your podcast is. I can buy up the ad space on a hundred different podcasts, put in, you know, here's, you know, learn how to make an e-commerce course with ecommercebizcourse.com, you know, slash whatever. And I get all the affiliate money, but I've paid for the ad space and it's on, it's all cheap ad space because it's on low volume podcasts that normally don't have ads. So that's just, that's not something I do, but that's a business idea. If anyone wants to do that, I think that's a solid business idea. You will make money that way. And 
it's an additional side hustle to what we're presenting here right now. Right. Um, now, that's that's kind of uh, the ad category. The next category is Patreon. So Patreon, if you don't know what it is, it's a way for artists of any variety to um, set up their own page on Patreon, like patreon.com. I don't have a Patreon page, but I could be patreon.com slash James. And people could subscribe to my Patreon if they like the podcast. So for instance, again, a lot of smaller podcasts that don't have ads, you might hear them say to their listeners, hey, if you like this podcast, please support us on patreon.com slash, you know, James's Patreon page. And particularly for a lot of beginning podcasts, this might be a great way to make money. So, and then you have tiers, just like on Kickstarter. Oh, if you pay $5 a month, you have access to, um, you know, I don't know, I'll give you, uh, uh, send you a digital copy of my book. Or if you pay $100 a month, uh, you get your name read on the podcast. If you pay $500 a month, I'll talk about whatever you want me to talk about for at least one episode a month and, and, and on and on because I like to support the podcasts that I like. I am a Patreon donator to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Whoa. Not, not all of those are podcasts actually. Um, so here's an example. Quillette, which is a website that I enjoy reading. I'm a Patreon uh, fan of theirs. And so I give them a certain amount per month. Um, another one is uh, the beatboxing instructor that I use who, who's on lessonface.com. His name's Paul Arnett. I give him a certain amount per month. And then I think the rest of these are podcasts. So for instance, um, the Tim Dillon show, which I love, I give a certain amount per month or uh, you know, various comedian podcasts because comedian podcasts often are, don't have a high CPM rate. So it's a little harder for them to get great advertisers, but so let's I, just use, Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Jay. I, I'm, I'm just curious. Who do you pay, pay more uh, history hyenas or team villain? Uh, history hyenas. <laughs> and I don't know why. I think it's because they put out more episodes. Oh yeah. Yeah. They and put also, out a lot of episodes. Also they are friends of the podcast too. Yeah. Yeah. They've, I mean, both of them, have been on, but I've been on their podcast twice and they've been on our, our podcast, podcast twice. twice or three yeah. times. Tim Dillon has been on here once. He's, he's spoken about me on his podcast, but, um, yeah, we have more of like a personal relationship with them and, right. and like Sherrod's, uh, race wars. Yeah. I go on that all the time. He's yeah. been on ours a bunch of times, right. but then there's just podcasts. I enjoy like Rich Voss and, um, I like the, the Voss and Bonnie McFarland's, oh, well, Bonnie McFarland's been on this podcast, but, uh, they have a podcast called my wife hates me. And there's actually, I just realized there's only seven patrons. I'm one of the well, only seven <laughs> patrons of that. But they okay, should treat you like VP. But one thing I have to say about patrons, sorry, uh, is that patron also serve as an amazing marketing tool. Yes, because, yes, because they email all the subscribers, all your patrons. Yep. And sometimes they pre-release often, actually, your subscribers on Patreon so they feel they're getting extra benefit often people release a podcast first or extra special material first on Patreon to different to their different tiers. So someone on one tier uh, might get more content than someone on a lower tier, but it's a good way of creating more content and really paying attention to your top subscribers. I mean, I don't know why I don't do a Patreon. I feel funny having my hand out like that for, for money, but it's a good way to kind of identify who your, 
you know, best listeners are and they're your most active listeners. And also think about it. If you just start a podcast, you have zero, let's, let's assume you have zero budget. Like that's a free website for you. Like you don't have to pay for other people to design your website. Patreon can serve as your podcast website. You know what I mean? Right. And so here's an example. And, and by the way, this is all public info. Like when I click on the Tim Dillon show uh, on Patreon, where I am a patron, I think, you know what also, I think um, I might be at the highest tier level. So, so I, you could only donate so much as the highest tier anyway. Right. But um, uh, it tells you Tim Dillon has 11,151 patrons. Now, remember, I said on that other podcast, they only had seven. So Tim Dillon has 11,151 patrons, which is huge, huge. And he makes, it's just Tim producing his show. And then he has a producer, uh, Ben. So it's just Tim and Ben. And he makes, and, and he has advertisers. He has like a ton of advertisers. But just on Patreon alone, he makes $60,433 per month. And wow. he does release um, content just for Patreon members. Like I'm looking at it right now. He has a Patreon um, episode called The Rothschilds Kidnapped. And so that will never be one of the episodes of his podcast. It's just for Patreon members only. But still, 60000 a month. Let me look at these other guys here. I never, never really looked at this. Let's I feel like what... uh, History Highness did a lot, did like 30000 a month or 20000 a month too, right? Yeah, so Race Wars has 69 patrons. I think when it's... Um, not a certain number. I can't see how much money uh, he makes, or maybe that's a choice. Um, right. Yeah, History Hyenas, um, he, they have 4,415 patrons, and they make $35,762 a month. Right. So by the way, that's really good. The, what, what that means is, my guess is they make more money from Patreon than they would from just having advertisers. And Tim, right. since he has both advertisers and Patreon, my rough guess is he's probably making about a uh, hundred thousand dollars a month and again it's mostly just him and one audio engineer um and then let me see what does uh the uh my beatbox instructor i am the patron uh and uh quillette uh so like you don't have to be a podcast you could be anything they have 1400 patrons and it doesn't say what they make per month i guess that must be a setting i don't know maybe i should start uh you know why i don't want to start a patreon is i don't want to make patreon only Content. I like making content that's available right. for anywhere. Oh yeah, I like this other podcast, Whiskey Ginger. It's uh, Andrew Santino, who's um, he's been on a bunch of my yeah. favorite shows, and he's a good comedian. He has three hundred thirteen patrons. Um, doesn't say how much he makes. Uh, yeah, and also just a heads up, not just a heads up, but like also like there are a couple like company that actually approach us uh, of doing like just subscribes only uh, podcasts, but I think we rejected them because we want to make our content available to everyone. Yeah, some podcast networks uh, like Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, like Luminary. Luminary, yep. They're, they're, a po they're a network, meaning they have a bunch of podcasts on and they pay the podcasters even an upfront amount, like an advance, and then they make money through subscriptions, sort of Patreon-like subscriptions or maybe they control your right. patreon or something like that so right. um yeah there's various business models that are in between kind of like a radio show network and patreon and podcasting but suffice to say i do think patreon's a great service uh i am not going to do it but not for any i i just don't want to I, I like making all the content available to everyone right but particularly for niche podcasts that don't have a lot of listeners or for just starting podcasts or for, for podcasts that are in categories with 
where the CPM rate is not high. So remember, if you have a podcast about, I don't know, investing, your CPM might be higher than a comedy podcast. So you won't get as much money from advertisers if you're a comedy podcast than if you're an investment podcast. So better for you to do Patreon. And right. uh, so there's a lot of reasons to do Patreon and you could do both Patreon and ads. So yeah. now, next category. Uh, sorry, James, I think you have to go <laughs> to out of people podcast now. Uh, hmm. We can come back later if you want to. Well, how long have we been going? 50 minutes. <laughs> All right. How about, how about Jay? We, we, uh, and by the way, two. let's keep recording this because this is how we make decisions. Yep. Um, how about Jay? We put this on side hustle Fridays because that's in two days. And, and then let, let's do a, 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 a part two, but let, instead of using that next Friday, cause I feel like it's still just one topic. Maybe we can put a part two out on, on Sunday. You want to do that? Or Monday, so we have more time. Like, so let's say if you record later, so like we will have more time to edit. All right. So, so, so okay. So, just to summarize, we discussed briefly why one should do a podcast. There's other reasons, but those were the main ones for me. We discussed um, the equipment, uh, the equipment, best practices for the equipment, uh, and we talked about ads and how ads work and and where where to find advertisers. We talked about sponsors. We talked about affiliate deals. And we also gave, and this is why it's great that this is Side Hustle Fridays, we also gave a completely different side hustle that makes use of the concepts behind affiliate deals and podcasts. But you don't have to do your uh, your own podcast to make money on affiliate deals. You just have to buy ad space on a bunch of podcasts and then put the affiliate deals you work out on those podcasts. I don't know if that all makes sense, but we talked about a good side hustle idea that will make money if you do it. Like if you start that today, within a month, you'll be making good, consistent money and you'll be making money while you sleep. Then we talked about Patreon and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other ways to make money for podcasts. And I honestly don't know many companies that do any of these other eight ways. So Stay tuned for part two. You're listening to this on a Friday. Part two will come out on Monday and I'm going to jump off and go on another podcast. Jay, I will talk to you later. Thank you so talk much. Talk to you later. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.